Welcome once again into the Soccer OG. That's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 18. You know, there will be a time when I won't come here at the beginning of each program to ask you to subscribe, rate, and review. We will be in the midst of Download Palooza. We're not there yet. Our podcast is still in diapers. So for the time being, please subscribe, rate, and review. It makes a big difference. Trust me, I know. The more I mention it, the more downloads, the better response. I am so excited about the direction that this is going, and it's because of you. We're trying some new things, and we're going to try something new today, which I think you will like a whole lot. We are in the midst of the Euros, as you will know. So there are some gaps between each round, so I decided let's do something. Right off the cuff, right at the end of the group stages, I will be joined by two contributors that have been now a couple times on this program, Eric Krakauer of BN Sport and Keith Costigan of Fox Sports, as well as the Seattle Sounders. And we are going to, moments after the games all conclude and we get ready for the round of 16, we will preview those knockout games coming up over the weekend from Saturday through Tuesday. And then we're going to do it again at the round of 16 and preview the quarterfinals. This is right off the cuff, immediate reaction. So there might be some stats or some things that come along afterwards, but we are doing this first. When the blood is boiling, when the ideas are fresh, the soccer OG, the look back at the group stages, the preview of the round of 16 with Keith Costigan and Eric Krakauer. It starts now. And just like that, we are back. I am joining you today. I got in early, so it's just a very strange day. And the the burden that I put on myself in order to make to do everything I need to do on a daily basis, putting a lot on my plate. But Max Bretos, me, I have been hungry lately. So, not hungry, who I'm very sad to see go in the Euros. Man, I was I tweeted it. I was getting Greece 2004 vibes from them put in a path, uh, an untenable path, where they had to play Fr- uh, Portugal, France, Germany, in that order, and really push all three of them, arguably three of the seven or eight best teams on the planet. Hungary didn't care. They pushed. They had this tremendous spirit. Germany scored in the game that just concluded. We Again, we're doing this. Eric Krakauer, Keith Costigan going to join me, and we're going to be doing this podcast Ten minutes after the games had concluded, and we're going to go through the bracket, and we'll give you winners, and then we're going to do it again when we get to the quarterfinals and and onwards, because there's gaps between them. So that's the direction the uh, Soccer OG is taking for the time being, so it's a little bit of a different format. We'll get back to normal, but who wants to get back to normal when this is going on? This is the good stuff. Who doesn't love a bracket? The bracket is out. La Isle Bon Temps Roulé. Fill them out. It's like the NCAAs. It's fantastic. <laughs> I'm so excited. The groups weren't great. The final day of the groups were, were fantastic in groups E and F. But by and large, it was a bit of it was a bit of dreck. The beginning of the, the groups, there wasn't a lot of fans at the stadium. Am I going crazy? But there are more fans out there. There are more fans in places like Germany and uh I don't know where else we live. In Russia. So there are more fans. We knew there were going to be fans in Denmark and and Hungary in those home games. But now it feels like everyone's starting to pop up. 
So it's very exciting. Uh, I lost my train of thought. But le- let the good times roll, as the, uh, the folks down in Louisiana say, although they say it in, in Creole or Cajun. Is it? I don't know. I'm, I hope I didn't offend anybody. But I'm very fond of all the French-speaking folks from down south in Louisiana and Haiti. Uh, you guys are great peeps. Whew, and I know uh, big soccer fans down there. So we're going to have a conversation about all that. But just to be that hungry to close the door on them, to see a team with that spirit and that courage and uh, just that we don't give a damn kind of, well, you're not going to push them around. Germany scored the equalizer, and then they score a goal to go ahead right away. Germany were really on the ropes. They got off the ropes. And I think the group of death, and we'll talk about it with Keith and Eric, couldn't have given you more entertainment than possible. Group of death are always full of life. Unfortunately, the group of death killed Hungary, which I'm very, very disappointed to say because I wanted to see them. You also look at the groups and the cream. I, I can't use that expression again. I, that's the most overused expression I have in my vernacular. The cream rises to the top. But it really, it, it's the only thing that gets that, that premise across. It's all the big hitters made it. Belgium, Italy, France, Spain. England, Germany, Netherlands, the Danes slipped in, but the big names are there. So you have, that means the brackets are going to be even history shows when all the heavy hitters are there. They kind of beat up each other and you get a crazy tournament. This is going to be so much fun. I can't wait. We're going to break down each and every one of them. And uh, this is, you hang on to these tournaments. You know, when the World Cup, you wait, and the Euros, you wait so long for them. And then the groups come on, you go, okay, I'm going at a pace. And all of a sudden you're at the knockouts and it's like, it's going to end soon. So you, it's a weird thing. you got to soak it all in because you know at the end of the day, the round of 16s might be over, the quarterfinals, you can't get them back, and you have to wait. Although for the Euros, you only have to wait three more years. And you have the World Cup next year. So we're in the sweet spot of these competitions. So I'm not going to take up much more time. I just wanted to say hello, just tell you it's going to be a little bit of a change of a format. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. Thank you for all those. The numbers uh, I, just give you complete transparency. It, it kind of quadrupled. It's still small. We're starting this from scratch. We're not a, We're not in the thousands. We're getting there. We're getting there. We'll bring here back with... I don't know what I just said. We'll be here back with Keith Costigan, Eric Krakauer. This is the Soccer OG. This is the Soccer OG, and we are going through our preview of the round of 16 from the Euros and the two best people I could think of to join me. We're going to go three wide, and we're going to go matchup after matchup. And just to explain what's going to happen, there's three of us, so we will give you our picks. Whoever gets two of our three picks, or if someone gets all three, they advance to the quarterfinals. So that's how we're going to break some – that's how we're going to make our little unofficial Soccer OG bracket and without further ado two gentlemen who've joined me here on a couple of occasions get rave reviews not just for me let's go with keith costigan of fox sports and seattle sounders hello keith thank you for having me i'm uh, i'm excited i'm getting a little bit nervous looking at this bracket about the picks but uh i know eric's gonna bring a lot of uh, portuguese flair to it i'm not quite <laughs> sure what uh, what an ireland person brings to the occasion but uh should be fun well you bring a a a, a neutral view which is very which is there very very important here <laughs> not so neutral view coming from eric Krakauer of being sports and uh, eric you are a professional so i am aware that you will look at these <laughs> matchups with a keen untouched eye 
I'm neither a professional nor am I neutral. So it's all downhill from here. <laughs> but great to be on with you guys. Hey, quickly, your thoughts of what we saw in the group stages. Keith, I'll start with you. For me, it wasn't the great. It ended great. But it has set up a mouthwatering round of 16. And the big name teams I all advanced. The big top 10, top 20 FIFA nations advanced. And they all, by and large, won their group, with the exception of Group F, which was never going to be won by all three of those nations. Yeah, I mean, I, I still I still found them entertaining. I mean, the fact that, you know, at some stage of the last hour of the last group game today, Germany could have been on their way out. Um, that, that for me was like, when you consider this system right now, it was, was pretty bizarre. But yeah, I think, you know, the, the usual teams that we expected to move on, moved on. But I still think a lot of teams um, showed their cards early. I, I was really impressed with Italy. I think everybody was. Um, I, I know not a lot of people have been impressed with England, but they still haven't conceded. They don't look, um, they don't look like a team that you can create many chances against. And uh, I, I think France, everybody coming in was ready to hand this trophy to France. I have not been impressed with France so far in the tournament. Uh, I think for a team that have so many protagonists in the 11, they're a team that wait for you to throw the first punch. And I think that may be to the detriment later on. But I've enjoyed it so far, but knockout stages. That's what it's oh. all about for me. It's fantastic. France, by the way, will take on the Swiss. I thought Taylor Twelman made an interesting comment during the broadcast in the France-Portugal game. It says it feels like France is playing with the handbrake on, which kind of does. As uh, Eric, we looked at these groups and the teams got through. And you know what's also really nice is that it feels like every stadium now is starting to get 30% from 30% full to 50 to 60. You're, you're feeling that atmosphere also. Yeah, and look, it's it's great after what we went through. I, I'm not completely won over by the new by the new multiple uh, cities, multiple country uh, as as uh, countries as as hosting nations. I don't like that because it gives a lot of teams home home field advantage. I mean, we saw how the Italians played at the Stadio Olimpico. I, I agree with pretty much everything that Keith, Keith said, so I won't I won't sort of uh, um, underscore that. I will point my finger at, at, at a team, and that makes it sound negative because I'm about to say something positive. Actually, <laughs> I thought Denmark. I thought Denmark were incredibly impressive in the group stage. I know I that you know what happened. Not I know what happened to them after the, the 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 tragic, almost tragic situation with Christian Eriksen and UEFA forcing them to play, whether it was on the same day or the, or the next day, really um, hurt them in this tournament, but she showed amazing character. They were a little bit unfortunate against Belgium. Uh, and that game against Russia was just unbelievable. I felt like the entire footballing world was Denmark for that game. And I think that'll continue. And I thought ESPN and do the end and licking their chops because everyone wants to see what the Danish can do because it's a human interest story. But let's get into the brackets and I'm Eric, I'm going to bounce it right off to you because of your Portuguese blood. It all starts for them Sunday, June the 27th in Sevilla or Seville. You can call it either one. Belgium and Portugal. Portugal end up finishing third in the group. So they get Belgium instead of potentially, I think it would have been uh, England. But anyway, looking at this, Belgium obviously as advertised. But Portugal have been in this situation and it worked out pretty well for them five years ago. Well, if it, you know, after that Germany uh, performance, the performance against Germany, I was despondent. And I thought that they were going to crash out. France was were going to wipe the floor with them. But I saw a different Portugal against France, one that is more reminiscent of the one that won in, in 2016, at least defensively. Renato Sanchez's inclusion in the 11, I think, made a huge difference in terms of attacking impetus. 
And I think going into that game against Belgium, they will have been galvanized by this performance. So I know that Belgium will go into this matchup as a favorite, but I think Portugal have a very good chance of, of, of knocking them out and then uh, facing another powerhouse in the, in the next stage. One thing that is, that is going to be terrible for me is I booked a flight out of New York that Sunday at the exact time of kickoff. I all, those people, all those people on that JetBlue flight with me are going to be suffering along with me because I'm going to be screeching. But you, you'll be able to watch it. You'll be able to watch it. I will be able to watch it. Yeah, I because, will be able to watch yeah, it. If you don't watch it, you will remember that for the rest of your life. So... Oh, I know. <laughs> uh, right, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> Keith, the, the, the Belgians made it pretty easy. Their group was pretty chill. Uh, but I, I think along the way, hitting their spots and the guys that certainly Romelu Lukaku stepping up in a big way, their defense was okay. It was good enough. There may be some questions there, but uh, the supporting cast too, Dries Mertens, we, we look at this Belgium team and the window, is it, it's closing, right? I mean, this, it's this in the world cup before some sort of turnover happens with the Belgians. Yeah, I, I think I would agree with, um, what Eric said about Denmark, um, uh, about them being really impressive, and, and I think that's what made the Belgian performance even more impressive. By the way, if you guys keep a, if you guys keep agreeing, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut this down right now. Okay, Just so you know. <laughs> no, but but for me, it, it's to look at what Belgium did in that game to soak up all of the energy and the atmosphere and and kind of take the gut punch from Denmark and, and still find a way to win. And I think for Belgium as well, we just talked about teams having home field advantage. Belgium have been, you know. On the road, they've been, you know, winning games in, in, in tougher environments for me. Um, I, I just feel there's, there's something about this Belgian team. Yeah, I, there is a weakness defensively. Um, I don't think the balance is, is, is quite there uh, and they, they can be got at. But, but overall, I, I just think with Kevin De Bruyne, with Romelu Lukaku, I think, I think Lukaku, amazingly for the goals he scored, is still underrated at, at, at the very top level in this game. And I, I think it could very well be his tournament. So I, I see... Portugal, I agree with Renato Sanchez coming in. I thought he was very good. I think they were more pragmatic in their approach today rather than being, you know, too open, um, almost like a, a little bit naive against Germany. Yeah, um, but, but ultimately, uh, ultimately, I see Belgium going through in this one. I think it's going to be a great game, but I think Belgium just have a little bit more. Let me just add something real quick to, to what Keith said. I think one of the crucial points for Belgium is Axel Witzel. How fit is he to play this game? Because he is a much better player than Den Donker. And I think Den Donker mm. is a pretty good player. But Axel Witzel is one of those rare players that is super combative. He's very physical, but he's also an excellent passer and can yeah. dictate the rhythm in the midfield for Belgium. So I think he's going to be the key player for them. Health is a big issue for Belgium. We, we've seen uh, De Bruyne get healthy, Aiden Hazard. I don't think they're relying on Aiden Hazard and they have covered, but Witzel also uh, another one. If they're healthy, they're going to be tough beat. I, I, I just bring in the officiating because Portugal have been getting some penalties. They got it against the French. That's going to be big and they can be very convincing and that's part of their MO and they get themselves in those positions. It's going to be a good one. But I, I So I'm going to go with Belgium. Keith, is that a Belgium for you? And I'm Eric, a Belgium, yeah. Eric, it doesn't really matter at this point, but <laughs> so, <laughs> you can't attack somebody on and tell them their opinion in a, in a game where their heart and soul is in it. That their opinion doesn't matter. Well, yeah. my, my, my descent has been noted, at least visually. <laughs> well, uh, you know, he I did it all wrong. Five votes in this game. <laughs> I took the pressure off him. I go, Belgium's already through because two of us have already put them through. So you don't even have to, you don't have to put your heart into it, Eric. It's okay. 
the the winner of that matchup, which is Belgium, according to us, will go July the second to Munich. They will face the winner of Italy and Austria June the twenty sixth. That is Saturday in London, and uh, the Italians. I, I know uh, Keith meant you mentioned they were the most impressive. I imagine Eric will agree. I would agree. The way they played, the spirit. I love the fact that they uh, that Roberto Mancini wanted. To, he always said, "I don't actually have a first team," and he wants to play everybody. He's played everybody, including the backup goalkeeper. Spirits very high. Entertainment value is high. Uh, just you could see the positivity, this and the moment in time, and guys that you know. It's it's not a, an old guard of Italy. You see this new kind of Italian a rebirth with with guys that you you don't put on the same level as a Cannavaro and uh, Pirlo and that incredible group of players. These are hardworking guys. A lot of them play on clubs people don't know about. Everything's a great story. Does it go the distance? It certainly has a shot, but this has been a great story here. And I, I will throw it to you, Keith. It, they, they certainly get a good draw against an Austria team that has its limitations. Yeah, I think first they were supremely impressive just because it, it, we're so used to seeing you know, uh, are talking about Italy as this team that will, you know, sit, you know, they'll defend and they'll, they'll look for those opportunities. They were the team dictating in, in all of these games. Some of their movement off the ball. I actually think Roberto Mancini, um, this may be uh, his finest coaching work, the, the, the rebuild of this Italian side, because it's, it's not just a rebuild, it's, you know, uh, a reinvention of the style of play as well. Jorginho in midfield, excellent. Locatelli, Locatelli, really good going forward as well. Uh, the front three, I, I think Insigne, uh, for me, is the key with his movement coming inside. Um, I, I think they've been a joy to watch. I think they, they obviously beat Austria. I think Austria um, are, are a team that when you start the tournament, you say, if you get to the knockout stages, you've, you've done a good job for them. But uh, yeah, I think first game for Italy away from home. So that's going to be interesting as well. But but ultimately, um, the, the, one, the one area I... Have a question mark is is a mobile still um, for Italy? I know a lot of people may say, well, I suppose a lot of goals are club club, but at international level, I'm still not I'm still not sold. But I think Italy go through in this one, and uh, they've been they've been excellent so far in this tournament. Eric, uh, Italy the best team in the competition thus far to you? I think they have been. I think that should be tempered though by the group that they were in. And yeah. I'm just going to play a little bit of a, a, a naysayer here because I I do agree with Keith, I, their off the ball movement. And you mentioned this Keith, I think was the most impressive thing about this team. It was the fact that every time a team tried to set up in a defensive posture that tried to mitigate all the threats that they posed, it was the, it was the runs, the vertical runs that really collapsed those defenses, either because players sort of were magnetized by somebody on the ball or everybody followed the runner. The, the I think they're going to beat Austria. I think that there are two things at stake here. One is that Italy can become their own worst enemies. And, and one, in one way in, in which they could become that is if Roberto Mancini tries to pigeonhole Verratti into this team. Mm. And pigeonhole may be a little bit of a strong statement. It's just that the balance right now between Jorginho, Locatelli, and, and uh, Barella is just so good. Yeah. Uh, whatever one of those players, whatever weakness one of those players presents, there's the, one of those, two of those guys has the, 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 all the, the attributes to make up for it. Their movement is excellent. That understanding is, is, is stupendous. And Verratti was excellent in the third game. So Mancini might start asking himself, well, here's a guy who had more key passes than anybody else in my team. How do I figure out uh, you know, a system where I can put him in 
or maybe I should take this guy out and plug him in there. So that's going to be a, a very interesting to see against Austria. The other thing is Austria have, I think, a system that could be best suited to try and, and stave off the Italians if they go with the three-man uh, center back because uh, Foda has actually changed the system in the middle of the tournament. I think if he goes back to that uh, three-center back system that he used in the first game, they could pose some defensive issues for Italy to break through. But I, I, I don't think there's any doubt that Italy are far superior to the, to the Austrians. And at some point, you'll see the breakthrough come. We, so we have the pick there as both Eric and Keith go with Italy. I'm not going to argue that. I, that's an interesting point about the defensive setup, and I expect it to be pretty defensive. But just to point out what this Italian team has, you know, Berardi and Locatelli, who play for Sassuolo, which is a tiny town, first division team. That has been, maybe Sassuolo has been the big winner of this competition. And uh, and the Verratti point is very well received. You have the, you have this 11 that's, you know, Spinazzola, Guys that uh, no one's heard of, really. You know, the, the the casuals have never heard. I've barely heard of it. And I watch a lot of football. I don't watch. I got to watch more Sassuolo. I mean, it's bad enough I have to watch Atalanta. Yeah, I would say, um, looking at some coaches, you, you may worry about that. I, I look at Mancini and, you know, he's never struck me as someone who tries to, to, to please um, every I know I know you mentioned about playing everybody in the squad. I think keeping that camaraderie, but... He's never struck me as someone afraid to make a big decision. Um, you know, he, he's had bust-ups with players in the past. He's, um, I, I have a friend who played for him and, you know, you know, told me that he wasn't the warmest person to each individual player. Maybe that's changed a little bit. But I, I, think, I think he has to understand, you know, what, what, what the balance uh, has been so far and how that's worked for the team so far. And, uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't worry about Mancini out of a lot of coaches trying to figure that out. Someone like Southgate who, who comes across as more of a, a, a guy that could be swayed maybe in that situation. But Mancini, I, I think he's, he's got a big enough, uh, broad enough shoulders to make the, the right decision for the moving forward. So we'll have Belgium, Italy in a quarterfinal matchup. I think we'd all sign up for that. Although Portugal, yes. Austria wouldn't be terrible either. We shall see. Let's move into the, the, the third of the round of 16 games in Bucharest. Yeah, let's bring in Bucharest. That'll be on Monday France, who win Group F, which is no small order, taking on the Swiss, who are able to emerge here uh, snug after uh, finishing behind the Italians in that group, Group A. Uh, the Swiss always seem to find a way to get to the knockouts. It's getting through the knockouts is a different story. I would imagine at some point they finally get through, but to do it, they'd have to beat the reigning world champs who we said have not really kicked it into a high gear yet, but they have so much class, uh, a truly irresistible uh, squad. And again, we could be critical of them. And Eric, I'll, I'll start with you. We could be critical of the French, but one of the toughest groups in group stage history, Euro or world cup. I, I, I looked through a bunch of them and you don't find groups with France, Portugal and Germany all playing at a very high level. And they were able to, to navigate through and win that group. So still uh, probably still the favorites, I am sure, according to, to the books makers. Yeah, squeaky bum time in these, in these <laughs> last two games, man. I was, I was suffering and I was doing a show as I was watching the game. So people heard me make the kind of screeching that you hear in horror movies. But, <laughs> You're a uh, screecher. Don't do that <laughs> on the airplane. Don't do that on the airplane. No, I might do. I might do. Um, Look, I think that the, the, the analysis that, that France plays with the handbrake on is a, a, the correct one, but that's how they won the World Cup in 2018. And I think that the 
ultimately the biggest difference between the two sides is that the the French national team right now has one major weakness, and that is a complete lack of of width. Uh, in, in in 2018, you had Mbappe on the right, giving them giving them a lot of width. Now he's playing up top. He does move to the left side, yeah. but you're not going to get the sort of I think fullback play, especially now that Dean looks like he may be injured because I think yeah. he pulled his quad. He Five was the he was the fullback who was going to give you that sort of attacking flair on on the left side, and I was really worried when he subbed in against Portugal because that combo with Bape could be very very deadly. I just think that right now the way that you stop this French national team is to keep them uh, central, right? Uh, is that the, the, they're a team that likes attacking down the middle, and if you plug up that that the the middle avenue of the field, I think that's half the battle against them, but. I haven't seen anything from the Swiss in this tournament, maybe in that last game, but it was the last game against a Turkey that is, that is very, very flawed, especially for a team that a lot of people, me included, uh, considered a dark horse. Yeah, you, uh, you weren't alone on that. Swiss, no, I know I wasn't alone on that. And I've watched a lot of Turkish football over the last few years, as you guys well know, but they were very, very disappointing. The Swiss only showed up against them. I don't think they stand a, a chance against France in terms of breaking them down unless friends make a huge mistake. And I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Keith, your boy Shakiri coming up big. And but <laughs> I, 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 with Eric, more I, hair I, on his head. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news. Maybe we buried uh, the lead. Uh, it, the Swiss, uh, I, 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 they're always there. And you, you, you know, no, you know, they're physical and they're, they're, they, they obviously have a ton of veteran players, which plays a big role. They've come, they brought up some good young players along the way, like Mbolo, but it's, I just, I, I'm with Eric. It's like, it's just, you just, this is, feels like the limitation. They're like the European Mexico. They don't get to the fifth game. That's not true. That's not, that's not apples to apples. That was a real stretch, but uh, just not enough players that I like in 2021, maybe four or five years ago. No, and I think Embel is one of those players you just mentioned is, is a classic, you know, player at this level for Switzerland, never quite has lived up to even potential at the club level as well. I actually thought they played quite well early on against Wales. Um, where I thought, okay, this Switzerland team, and then they allowed Wales to get back into that game. I thought completely outplayed by Italy. So, so I think that's what you're looking at. This is a team that, you know, um, against the very biggest guns are going to struggle to compete. The one thing I'll say about France is they let you hang around. They did it with Hungary. Uh, they did it with Germany. Um, they only had one shot on target, I think, in the 80th minute in the, in the game against Germany. And everyone said, well, they had a couple of offside goals, but they don't generate as many it's almost like for me watching Floyd Mayweather boxing, you're like, yeah, we know he's the best. We know he's going to win, but can you give us a little bit more entertainment? Um, I, I agree with the Mbappe. I think Mbappe needs to stay a little bit wider on that left-hand side if the fullback is going to be Luca Hernandez because he's not going to overlap as much. On the other side, if, if Pavard comes back in over Sunday, they're not, again, expansive fullbacks. So why not play Kingsley come on? Um, we saw him come on. Dembele would have been an, an option, obviously, if he didn't get injured. But I, I think to see Tolisso kind of pigeonholed into a midfield role today, that I, I don't know if it quite fit. Um, I, I would prefer to maybe see them, especially in this kind of game, say, let's go with Kingsley, come on on the other side and be really aggressive with a, a front three. don't think it's going to happen because France have had success with certain style, with certain tactics. And I, I think ultimately, whatever way they decide to go in this game, it would have to be you know, a, a massive error on their part or a, a massive shock for them to go out. I've, I've France gone through quite easily. In this okay, so, so Eric, I, I don't even have to throw my picks in. See, I, I'm here to break ties. Come on, guys. 
So <laughs> look at you're building quite a bracket. Uh, the broadcasters are very happy with you guys. So we'll have Belgium, Italy, and France moving into the top side of the bracket, and you can see what it means. And it could get even better. Monday, June the 28th in Copenhagen. And if I hear more people call it Copenhagen or Copenhagen, I'm going to put my head through a window. I, 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 I know it's Copenhagen because Danny Kay used to sing it in that old musical that my mother made me watch when I was a kid. But it, I hear Copenhagen. I, I just want I just want to re, to fall on one. OK, I don't want. OK, there it goes. I'm going to get off my tangent. Croatia, Spain, which was actually to me one of the best games of the 2016 edition. Spain finally coming to life five zip in their final group game against Slovakia, who thankfully didn't slip in through the back door as a third place team. Uh, you don't want to do that after that. Uh, they will take on Croatia who came alive as well. Uh, didn't really look great, but Luka Modric scoring the important goal against Scotland didn't really do much in the group stages, but enough, but they are, they were a world cup finalist just three years ago. And this is a very compelling matchup too, but maybe made a little bit less Eric because of the way Spain looked in that final game, which would suggest they're going to be a heavy favorite here. Yeah, I think a lot of the criticism that's been leveled at Spain is almost spillover from the 2018 World Cup, because I actually thought that they were quite good against Sweden in that first game. Sweden just defended out of their minds, and Robin Olsen made four or five outstanding saves in that game. One to deny a first half header, I forget who headed it in, and then Gerard Moreno in the second half, the second game, they were a little less vertical, a little bit more laborious in, in their in their buildup. But in this in this second game, they were in complete control, um, dominated the performance from beginning to end as we had imagined. And you can't look at a team with this much talent and think for a second that they shouldn't be favorites against Croatia. Croatia played well against Scotland, but then again, Scotland. You know what Scotland reminds me of, and and perhaps for good reason in this tournament of a, a championship team, mid-table championship team, which is a lot oh, of Oh, that's life. a bit harsh. Cross <laughs> it in, you know, and see what happens with a couple of good players. You saw the difference that Billy Gilmore made in yeah. the 11, somebody who just offers something completely different, and he's a star in the making. I mean, but, by the way, I think Billy Gilmore missed, uh, missed out on a big opportunity. When called upon by UEFA, he should have said, that he went in the England dressing room and hugged absolutely everybody. <laughs> what was he thinking? What was he thinking? I know, was, these kids, oh, these kids, wrong. Keith. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't beat that, so I'll let you take it. I'll take it from there. So I think Spain should walk over. Should walk over Croatia. They just, to me, just seem a far different team from the one we saw in the 2018 World Cup. And I actually think that they weren't as good as a lot of people believe they were in 2018 when they made it to the final. Yeah, I, I think I think it's set up for Spain when you come to the knockout stages because they're they're a team that needs you to come out a little bit with the possession. They attack space quite well with clever movement. Ferran Torres, I think, is a player that could could do well in the knockout stages. But when when Sweden sat back, I, I was a little bit annoyed too about the 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 criticism after the game because I I thought they had possession with an end product. They created a lot of goal scoring chances. I, I thought it was. You know, if they get one one goal in that, it's one of the best performances of the group stage for me. That's how dominant they were. To have 90% possession after 20 minutes in a game is absolutely unheard of. But I thought that the criticism obviously got to them. The second game wasn't as good. They, they looked like, no, we do have to be more aggressive. And that's never been the Spanish way. They played without a number nine before. They played with Fabregas as a false nine and said, if we're not going to score, we'll keep possession and bore teams to death and open them out. And then, you know, be patient. So... 
I, I think you have to find that balance if you're Louis Enrique. You're, you're not a team that's all of a sudden going to start swinging crosses in and, and, you know, get a lot of goals, although they did, they did today against Slovakia. Um, but I think in this kind of game uh, against the Croatian side, he'll be a little bit more expansive than a Sweden. He'll try to come at Spain a little bit more. I, I think the game is set up for Spain to, to, to get the result. And, uh, yeah, a, again, a lot of people will point to the, the, the performances not producing the goals in the first few games, but, but I still think there's a lot more to come from Spain, and, and I have them going through on this one. Uh, so Spain to the quarterfinals. I think with Croatia, look, they had a great run. They they were at the at the final game of the World Cup. But this feels clearly like the end for that group. And what a run it's been. And they are able to pay it off with a round of 16 where they almost let it slip away there, quite frankly, here in uh, by, by be able to getting that late winner by Luka Modric. Spain, they haven't seen a lot of work, but I, today I kind of locked in a little bit more with uh, Laporte Garcia, the both the Man City yeah. center backs. I, I get the feeling they're they're going to get more work, but I think they're going to be ready for it. This is a a pairing to keep an eye on for the future. We 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 know about the the old guard and PK and Ramos, but this might be I'm not, I'm not putting those guys on that level, but a really good start for that next group because you want to usher in the new generation. I think it's there for the doorstep. So we have France and Spain, Belgium, Italy, France, Spain. This is absurd. There's no way it's going to work out this way. There's no way. <laughs> I'm, I'm confident. I'm, I'm no, because Portugal is going to win their game. <laughs> <laughs> and then Eric would say, "I pick Portugal," even though I didn't yeah, say anything. Okay, let's go to the bottom half I'm of the not, bracket. I'm not coming on again. If Portugal win, I'm not coming on again with this grouping. <laughs> this, this is the best matchup slash location for any any team, any matchup in the round of 16. We have Sweden versus Ukraine, and they're playing it in Glasgow at Hamden Park. So, fantastic. Uh, you touched on the Swedes, and maybe we don't give them enough credit. They're very hard to watch. Uh, they, uh, you know, what was it like 15% possession? They had one fifth of the passes that Spain had in that game and they got a result. I was really impressed when they were pressed against Poland and they were able to get the goals. Uh, Forsberg obviously is uh, uh, a talisman for that team. And we could see enough from Isak and Kulazewski coming in as well as uh, a dynamic pairing to fill the void of Zlatan, who wasn't there for the World Cup when they made the quarterfinals. I like this Sweden team to advance. I don't like to watch them play. I know some people will argue about the, the stylistics, but they get a good draw here. And again, this Sweden, I wouldn't be surprised if they make, they get a couple wins along the way uh, because of uh, a bad matchup that they can be. So uh, who, uh, Keith, what are your thoughts on Sweden and Ukraine kind of backed into this round of 16? Yeah, I, I think for me, the key the key to beating Sweden is getting the opening goal. If you go in front against Sweden and you force them into, into being a team that has to come out and attack and be a little bit more expansive, you have an opportunity. Sweden are, are super organized, good on set pieces. Isaac is a player who can stretch the opposition as well and allow you to get up the field a little bit longer. Berg, more of a, a workman-like striker. Forsberg, for me, is um, he's, he's not a, an elite-level number 10, but he is good on set pieces. He can pick play. He, he can pick pockets and deliver the ball quickly. Um, and he just suits their style. He, he, you know, his ability to work hard in the system as well gives them an opportunity. Look, I, I've Sweden gone through in this one, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Ukraine got an early goal and 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 changed the complexion of this game. That's 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 how I see it. They're not 
Sweden's, Sweden's game plan is predicated on, on being tight, being compact and, and getting an opening goal and have something to hold on to. But I, I just want to say in the first game, I think it was against Spain, where Isaac looked really threatening on the counter and he said, OK. And, and then all of a sudden he's taken off for 15, 20 minutes to go. And, and I was like, you, you know, for me, I, I want him to be let off the shackles a little bit in, in the knockout stage um, and, and given that opportunity to shine because I think he is a star in the making. I know Dorman have a, a buyback clause as well for him, I think. But uh, yeah, ultimately I have Sweden going through. But this one, this one's more of a toss-up for me than I think most people probably think. And Eric, the U, the Ukraine, it's Ukraine. Uh, to me, they have more dynamic players than the Swedes. Yarmchuk, who hasn't really gotten off here, Malinovsky, who's one of the parts of that Atalanta team, and Zinchenko, who's with uh, um, uh, Man City. I won't mention Yarmolenko. I know he's a West Ham guy, but he always disappoints me at West Ham, so I'm not going to throw him <laughs> in here. But that's that's a little icing on the cake. But Ukraine, they got to be thrilled. I and mean, they know it's going to be a tough day at the office, but they got to be happy that this is a matchup uh, that they can possibly take advantage of? Yeah, look, I, I actually have the Ukraine going through um, because this is one of my, I guess, upset picks, even though it wouldn't really be a, a, an upset. I, I just really like this Ukrainian team. And I, I thought that against the Netherlands in that first game, they played a little bit, uh, a, a little bit afraid. Uh, I, I think they were afraid that they were going to get run over. I love Yeremchuk. I think if there's a forward who's going to start making a lot of noise in European football, he's at Ghent right now. I think he probably will get a, a, a move, a complete forward. I, I think Shevchenko has built a team, and I saw them during the qualifying stages as well because they were in the same uh, group as, as Portugal. This is a team that can show you uh, or can play you in a variety of ways. They can play in transition. They can actually keep the ball uh, better than a lot of people believe them. Uh, to be able to. Zinchenko is, is a terrific player as a midfielder. I, you know, he's being a little bit wasted as a left back at Manchester City, but that just goes to show just how good of a player he is, intelligent. Uh, I agree with you, uh, Max, about Yarmolenko. He seems to be playing in second gear all the time, but he does have the ability to pull s- some that, magic that one move, out of the hat. That one move, yeah. <laughs> that one move, right? It's, it's a good one. one. That, it's a good one, his, though. At his pace... You know, it's predictable with Robin, but he's got a, a crazy change of pace, a burst of yeah. an explosiveness about him. Yarmolenko doesn't and still manages to pull yeah. that off. So I think they have the individual players who can turn the game on its head. And as a collective, I think that they're very good. So, Keith, you went Sweden, right? So I can break the tie yeah, here? Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I was, I, was, I was telling people Sweden's going to go on a run, but, you know, I'm going to take this advantage here and go with Ukraine because we need, we need to go against the cuff here. I mean, this is so str- – I mean, Two minutes ago, you were telling me Sweden were going deep in the competition. I said they could so, win a couple they're games. They're going deeper in your bracket. Listen, this is this is the thrill about doing this right after the games is that you can you can really move on a dime. So we'll go. We'll put Ukraine Ukraine through in Glasgow. Then on the same day in London, England and Germany. I know you said it off the air. It's fallen well for England. I'm looking at this bracket yeah. and my head falls in my hands, Keith, because it feels exactly what is going to happen. The Germans really unimpressive, probably shouldn't be here. And uh, the English, for all their flaws and haven't been able to put everyone on the field at the same time, it's it's still Germany. But if they get through here, they could possibly get Ukraine, according to our bracket. And, oh, here we go. Start queuing. It's coming home. You know you're going to hear it. Keith, you can't, we can't see Keith. He just closed his eyes. Keith, is it coming home? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I actually think the bottom half of the bracket is wide open. By the way, we told you at the top know, half. The bottom half is a different story. 
Um, I will say, um, I actually think this game isn't, isn't a bad one for Germany um, either. I think Germany need a game where maybe there's a little bit less pressure on them. They're away from home. Um, and I think they will, they have big game players that will relish the opportunity of almost the fact that you'll, you'll hear a lot from the English press over the next five or six days. We have Germany exactly where we want them. They're not playing well. <laughs> oh, they've already printed it. England are the king of setting themselves up for failure. Look, I, I think it's going to be an, uh, a, 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 an open game. I think it's going to be an entertaining game, perhaps more so than the English performances have been so far. Um, I, I think Germany offer up a little bit more space in behind for the likes of Raheem Sterling, for perhaps the likes of Jack Grealish as well, if he starts. Um, Saka played well enough final uh, match, match day as well. Um, I'm just curious to see if Southgate matches up and tries to play with, you know, three centre-backs and tries to match up with wing-backs and really nullify Germany because Gussens has, has, has been excellent so far in the competition. I, I would imagine Southgate will do that with the defensive thought process more than anything there. Um, and, and I think when you do that, I think England are stronger defensively than Germany, less likely to, to give up a silly goal and, uh, and, and maybe score off a set-piece with someone like Harry Maguire. So, I think England. I wouldn't be surprised if this went to penalties. Uh, it, it's going to be. It's going to be. It's going to be that that kind of game. It's going to be tight. Love it. I still think an entertaining game, but but I have England just just getting through on this one. Unfortunate. Hey, Eric, a, a, a tactical uh, uh, just masterpiece potentially here with what it, it it feels like a game that's lots going to be based on what the managers are able to do. Yeah. Look, I I think Keith actually touched on the most important point, and that is that. If Southgate looks at these games where Germany have been stifled, um, you know, or, or this most recent game, let's focus on this most recent game, right? You have a, a, a Hungarian team that bunkers down, really disciplined defensively, and actually quite audacious in this game against Germany at the time. They're, I thought they grew. You know, Portugal, they counterattacked a little bit, but they really wanted to keep that, that zero on the scoreboard. Against France, they knew that they needed to be a little bit more more risk-taking, and then against Germany, they were like, well, we need to score here. If not, we're, we're out of the tournament. And what I saw from Hungary against Germany was that for the most part, they managed to nullify the wing-back attacking role that was so efficient against Portugal playing with a back four and nobody helping out Nelson Smith on the right and Rafael Gret on the left, and they were completely run over. I mean, it, it was like I was going through Groundhog Day watching Germany score those goals against Portugal. So I think Southgate sees that and he says, I'm going with three center backs. Yeah. Kyle Walker on the right side. For sure. He also has a versatility after playing a few years with Guardiola where he can actually slot in as an extra midfielder if required. So yeah. I think you're spot on, Keith, with that. And that will help nullify Germany's threats. However, I like the midfield that Germany has, even though they weren't particularly good against Hungary today. I think that's where the battle is going to be won by, by the mind shaft. And I have them going through. Eric, you have Germany. Keith has England. Oh, this, this, this podcast has been <laughs> illuminated. I just feel that we haven't really seen England yet. And we haven't kind of got off the training wheels, so to speak. Uh, you know, we haven't really seen Marcus Rashford. We haven't seen uh, we, in some, some other players that uh, we have Bellingham and, and Sancho, and what role they plays. Obviously, all these kind of guys in the mix causes headaches for the manager, and you want to set 11, but I still think there's so much class there. And uh, as look, we never underestimate the Germans, but again, they're very fortunate to even be here. Uh, I, <laughs> I, we, I think I said the game was in London, and if I didn't, it is. 
whatever role that plays, obviously it's going to play uh, some significant role, but home field advantage advantage has been diminished somewhat here with a couple exceptions for the Danes and the Hungarians, but I'm going with England reluctantly, but uh, it's just weird. Cause it's, you've got to, you've got to just catch these. You've got to catch fire in the right time and you've got to be healthy. Uh, those guys with the COVID will be coming back for England. So they should have a full docket of players. And I'm, you know, Mason Mount is one of those guys. So, a lot of uh, a, a pot- I just don't know what the eleven is going to look like, but I think it'll be good enough. Does that make sense? Keith's like nodding. Yeah, I was actually hoping you. I was. I was hoping you would go with Eric. This is the one time I was like, just go the other way. Get me out of here. <laughs> okay, good. You got um, it. You got it. I, I sent some. I sent some preferential treatment on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Trust. I look. England there is a great story, but uh, it, it, it's 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 compelling. But when it ends, it's always a good feeling too, just because of the people we know. We all know a lot of the English. God bless them, but yeah. it's better when we don't have to hear them for the whole duration of a tournament. <laughs> Final part of the bracket, Budapest, which has been great uh, and, and harrowing, certainly from the supporters' perspective. Sunday, June the 27th, the Netherlands and the Czech Republic. Uh, the Czechs looked really good. I, I was I took a closer look at the England game. I was pretty impressed with what the Czech Republic were able to do. And I always say this in West Ham games because people go, Declan Rice, he's valued at $70 million. And I'm like, Thomas Suchek is a better player than Declan Rice. And I, I, I see it on the international stage. They have Patrick Schick. They have a good, hardworking midfield. I like the Czechs a lot. The Netherlands have been fantastic. Haven't really been tested. They've, they, they cruise right through here, Eric, in the group stages. They're missing parts, but they're getting the most. Frank DeBoer seems like he's getting the most out of what he's got, certainly in the attacking end as well, where we didn't have the you don't have the the great Dutch uh, attacking players. Memphis Depay isn't put on that pedestal, but maybe he should. Yeah, and he's playing really well. Once that contract situation with Barcelona got sorted, all of a sudden we saw Memphis Depay at his very best. My question is, how much did playing in front of a, a, a vociferous home crowd propel the Netherlands forward? Uh, I guess that's my big question. My second is, are we going to see some of the sort of fragilities that we saw in the second half against, against the Ukraine? And that could offer or that could open the door for the Czech Republic to get their, their foot in the door. Uh, but I, I, when it's a matchup like this that is that is particularly close and you see a team with a tremendous amount of momentum like the Netherlands, I just think that they have a huge advantage. Uh, you know, they're stacked and there has got to be a ton of confidence just coursing through those players' veins right now, particularly after all the questions that were asked about Frank De Boer. You know, I felt like going into this tournament, Frank De Boer was a bit of a villain, right? Because of his history with Crystal, Inter Milan and Crystal Palace and Atlanta, and I think that he's found the recipe for success with the Netherlands. So I think that they'll just manage to edge out a, a, a Czech Republic team that is a little bit too defensive and perhaps just a little bit too dependent on the exploits of their X factor in the attack and Patrick Schick, who is playing out of his mind. Oh, he had uh, a tremendous goal. I wouldn't say goal of the tournament, but that midfield goal, we, we, we could argue about that another time, yeah. but uh, Gigi Wijnaldum has been fantastic. Veghorst has been really good, so I was yeah. worried about the striking, Keith, about the Dutch, but offensively, they've scored goals, and defensively, they have not allowed them, and uh, the defensive side, even though they don't have Virgil van Dijk, uh, the Leet and, and so, so many others have been able to have a good collective effort. I still, 
they're in a good they're on a good side of the bracket. This bottom half, you've just if you play the way you have, you're going to get through. But I, again, I think the Czechs are going to give them a, a real big test. And remember where it is in Budapest, the Czech Republic, not far, although the Dutch fans can travel too. Uh, there's not going to be too many quarantine issues, so they can fill that stadium from what I understand. I think they uh, uh, they they were thinking about even moving the final, which wouldn't have been a bad idea. W- whatever it is, it's it's just minutia at this point. But there, I would expect to see a lot of orange jerseys in that stadium. Yeah, for me, the, with the Dutch, I would say I would temper my uh, expectations on on the team. I think the results flattered them a little bit. I, I thought in every game I watched, um, you know, if I'm watching those from a coaching standpoint, I thought the transition play defensively was really really poor. I thought. They're so expansive on the ball. And against the teams they were playing against, they got away with it. But even against North Macedonia, they, they conceded a goal that was brought back. There was another one they hit. the They gave up big goal-scoring opportunities. Um, and I, I don't, it's one of the reasons I don't see them going far. I, I don't think their, their, their setup um, um, is one that gives them the balance both in defense and attack, which you need against the very big teams. Um, I do see them going through against the Czech Republic because I don't think the Czech Republic offer enough in transition, um, which I think would be key to, to getting a result against Holland. But but I will say Holland have, have got results, but in every game, I could point to areas in the game where I'm like, wow, this is a team that, you know, you can get at, you can create goal scoring chances against them. When we get to the business end of this tournament, I, I think they may struggle. But in this game, they'll have enough to get by Czech Republic. I was going to pick the Czechs, which it doesn't matter because you guys picked the Dutch. So the Netherlands go through, which obviously a lot of people would love to see in the, a revival. Remember, the United States didn't make the World Cup. Neither did the Netherlands and Italy. And all of them look better off on the other end of it. Not that anything has to do with it, but certainly when you hit rock bottom, you start to fix things. And those nations <laughs> have. So let's get to you know, in, in normal circumstances. You go Wales, Denmark, Saturday, June the 6th in the Amsterdam. Oh, OK. If I have to miss a game, maybe it's that one. Absolutely not because of the the great story that is developing here, which could have gone completely different after what happened with Christian Eriksen. We were all watching that day and we all thought for a moment we were watching this man dying before us. Everything has changed. He has been uh, discharged from the hospital we don't know about what his future holds, but he's healthy and he is now the biggest supporter for this Danish team. And they're playing for him. And we saw that in the, the game against Russia. Uh, Eric, it was uh, it, it, it was just one of those moments that you you wish and hope to see as a sports fan, as a soccer fan. And it's there in uh, in living color. And the question now is, can they continue that? Normally, these these stories do and the Welsh, a great opponent opponent to to open up with, but I, you know, underestimate Gareth Bale and, and uh, Aaron Ramsey and this group at your own peril. They made it to the semifinals in 2016. This is a country that has no soccer pedigree. I talked to Welsh friends and they don't, they were not soccer fans until 2016 and now they are. And now this team is getting through again. So this is going to be a tough one, you know, on paper, you take away all the stories on the outside I, I think this is a pretty 50-50 matchup with a slight edge to the Danes. The question, the emotional side, Eric, does it put Denmark over the top? I think it's more than just the emotional side. I think that player for player, uh, Denmark actually has a better team. And I, I think I said it at the top of, of, of this pod that for me, they've been one of the most impressive teams in the tournament. Um, you know, just very balanced, to use a word that Keith talked uh, you know, about 
used in terms uh, or in respect to the Netherlands, lacking balance, too stretched out. You look at Denmark and you think, man, they're a cohesive unit. They work themselves really, really well. And there isn't one sector on that team that I think is weak. I'm not saying that they're super strong, but defensively they're strong. I think they've got one of the best double pivots in the tournament so far in Hoiberg and Delaney, uh, who complement each other so well. You know, because you have Hoiberg, who's a very physical player, but he's got very good feet. He's got good passing range. And then you got Delaney, who must fuel up before games. (laughs) He's great. Just does not stop running. I mean, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. And, and, you know, as much as what happened to Christian Eriksen has taken away their best player, their string puller, the guy who makes all the difference in the attacking third, what happened has also given them a purpose, right? And this is the emotional side that you were talking about, Max, where I feel like this team goes into games thinking we can beat anybody. And against Belgium, what they managed to do against Belgium, and, I, and, yeah. and Keith, I, I agree with you that Belgium rode that game very well, the emotional side of it yeah. very well. You know, they stayed compact. They didn't get beyond themselves. Also, uh, uh, Bjorn Kuypers refereed that game beautifully considering yeah. the, the situation. He's been, he's been around forever, that guy. He has, he has. <laughs> I, but I look at this Danish team and I think, you know what? On their day, they can beat anybody in this tournament on their wow. day. Yeah. Keith? Yeah, I have a quick one about Thomas Delaney. I interviewed him. Uh, I was hoping you were going to say I have a quick one about Bjorn Kuypers, but go ahead. (laughs) No, it it ended nil-nil, and Denmark were all over Ireland. Ireland sat back, and I said, what was that like? And he said, it was like trying to open a can of beans with your hand and no can opener. And he was like, that's (laughs) what it's like playing against Ireland. Yeah, sounds painful. He's he's a character. You can tell that he's he's that glue player. He's, he's the 7.5 out of 10 every week because of that energy that he brings in the midfield and almost a perfect foil for, for Hoiberg in, in the middle of the park. Um, yeah, I think Denmark can press. They can be aggressive. They can play in the front foot. They can, they can drop. They have, you know, defenders that can deal with the, the aerial threat that you may see from a, a key for Moore as well. That's kind of key because I think we talked about Bale and James and the pace they offer. A lot of times when Wales are under pressure, Kiefer Moore is there to be that launching pad to knock it forward and, and hold the ball up. So I, I have Denmark going, going to the semifinals. Um, I have Denmark beating uh, the Dutch in the next round um, for, for reasons that I spoke of before. And, uh, and I, I just think the performances, sometimes you can get wrapped up in the results and you go, you lost to Belgium. No, that was a top-class Belgium team who brought on De Bruyne, Hazard. So I, I think they gained something from that. The performance against Russia was outstanding. And yeah, I just see them, I see them going through against Wales. I don't think it'll be by any means all Denmark because Wales are a very good side in competition play. They've shown it, but, but ultimately Denmark have just a little bit too much. Yeah. A lot of guys put their hands up for the Danes that day. And I love the engine room. Delaney Schoberg, uh, Polson scores goals. Damsgaard had one of the, the better goals of the tournament. I know he hasn't scored, but Braithwaite, he, he earns his keep out there. Well. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I mean, I know he always gets a bit of a punchline, but he's he's a good player, even <laughs> though he's not scoring goals. And how unlucky was he uh, against Belgium? You know, I yeah. think a ball off the post, one off the crossbar, the work that he does. You know, this is a guy who plays for Barcelona. He may yeah. not be one of their top players, but he's good enough to be there. Gentlemen, Barcelona player punchline. You know? Yeah, okay. Gentlemen, <laughs> this is – I'm going to go with Denmark as well. So we have Belgium, Italy, France, Spain, Ukraine, England, Netherlands, Denmark, a little bit for everyone there. I think we did very well. And I had a wonderful time. 
Keith Costigan, Eric Krakauer. I let's let's do this again. It's 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 a, it's a laugh riot, and we kind of agreed across the board with everything. Yeah, some pleasure, man. It was great talking football uh, w- with you guys, and hopefully, we'll do it again soon. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm, as I've said, I'm not coming back for the quarterfinal stage if Portugal goes through because I'm pretty sure it's going to be just it. I guess we're not seeing Keith again. Okay. <laughs> the so- read them and weep. Mark, fill out your brackets here. The Soccer OG, it's officials. We have our quarterfinal teams. We'll be right back. And we are back. That was a ton of fun. I want to thank Eric Krakauer and Keith Costigan for joining me. Just to recap our round of 16, we give you all the information for your listening and viewing pleasure. And we see it as follows. Belgium will beat Portugal. Italy over Austria. The French beat the Swiss. Spain gets by Croatia. The top half of the bracket is just breathtaking. Bottom half of the bracket, we pick Ukraine in an upset to meet England. Then the Netherlands will face Denmark. Stories uh, plenty throughout. Just a reminder, we're going to do this again Tuesday, the end of the round of 16, and we will preview the quarterfinals. I think that's the last time we can do it because there won't be enough time to fill a whole podcast. So we can mix it up with some other stuff. But I have a feeling these round of 16s are going to give us plenty to talk about. And uh, that's it. I think I've taken enough of your valuable time. As always, thank you for your support. Um, Thinking about all this, and this was really Eric's idea. He said, why don't we get three guys and talk about it? I said, let's do it. And it was fantastic. So we're still learning. We're still trying new things. But I want to give you an alternative for what is out there, something where you can get smarter and have fun and have fun with other people and talk like it's a normal uh, sport that we would see in the United States. We don't get that enough. So uh, uh, I, think, uh, I think we're on to something. And uh, you are here from the beginning, from the foundation. We will bring stoppage time back. Uh, I'm going to put stoppage time. We'll have something on stoppage time. I'm going to have something for stoppage time, certainly from the round of 16. There's so much that we can take away. What's with all the penalties? The officiating. The uh, missed penalties. The, uh, the return of the supporters. It's all big. What happened with... Um, the situation in Germany with the, the rainbow flag. It's, it, 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 there was a, a streaker coming out with a rainbow flag during the, the playing of the anthems between Germany and Hungary. We have to talk about all of this because it's all part of the game. In the meantime, it's about the Euros. Enjoy it. We'll get a little Copa America. Maybe we'll do a quarterfinal a recap from that. My name is Max Bretos. I am the Soccer OG. Please subscribe, rate, and review the pod, and we will see you next Tuesday. Again, no podcast coming out Sunday. I usually will send them out on Sunday, but we will have one following Tuesday, wrapping up the round of 16. Buenas noches. Blasido Domingo.